0: The Murder Minute podcast contains depictions of real-life, true-crime stories. Some details may be disturbing, and listener discretion is advised. This is Murder Minute. I'm your host, Mrs. Smitty, and today is Wednesday, November 3rd, 2021. Today on Murder Minute, I'm doing something a little bit different. Scotty, my co-host on the live Murder Minute post-mortem on the stereo app, requested a spooky haunted house-style story. So today's episode will be just that. I hope you enjoy it. But first, your true crime headlines. Los Angeles County District Attorney George Gascone announced last week that Long Beach School Safety Officer Eddie Gonzalez has been charged with murder in the shooting death of an 18-year-old woman in the city of Long Beach. The incident occurred on September 27th when the 51-year-old school safety officer attempted to break up a fight between two young women taking place near Millican High School in Long Beach. As the fight broke up, one of the women, 18-year-old Mona Rodriguez, got into a car attempting to leave the scene. As the car was driving away, Gonzalez fired at least two shots, striking Mona Rodriguez, who was in the front passenger seat. Rodriguez was rushed to a nearby hospital where she was declared brain dead. She was taken off life support after surgery to remove some of her organs for donation, and she died on October 5th. She leaves behind a five-month-old son. Gonzalez is being held on $2 million bail, facing a charge of second-degree murder, which carries a possible sentence of 15 years to life in prison. He is due back in court early next month. In Wisconsin, a jury of 11 women and nine men have been selected in the murder trial of Kyle Rittenhouse, the armed teenager who killed two people and injured a third during protests in Kenosha, Wisconsin last summer. The number of jurors will be reduced to 12 when deliberations begin. Rittenhouse, who is now 18, is charged with five felonies, including first-degree intentional homicide, first-degree reckless homicide, attempted first-degree intentional homicide, and two counts of first-degree recklessly endangering safety. He is also charged with misdemeanor possession of a dangerous weapon under the age of 18 and a non-criminal violation of failure to comply with an emergency order. He has pleaded not guilty to all charges. This next headline is a submission from one of my Instagram followers. Thank you so much for bringing it to my attention. The body of 19-year-old Mia Marcano was found in a wooded area near Orlando, Florida, on October 2nd, just over a week after she went missing from her apartment complex 17 miles away. The young woman was a sophomore at Valencia College and lived and worked at the Arden Villas Apartments in Orange County, Florida. She was last seen leaving her job at the complex's leasing office on September 24th. She was scheduled to fly to Fort Lauderdale later that evening to visit her family, but she never made her flight. A search of her first-floor apartment showed signs of a struggle, with her bedroom door barricaded and a bloodstain on her pillow. Police believe that Mia was killed by 27-year-old Armando Caballero, a maintenance worker at Arden Villas. At a news conference last week, Orange County Sheriff John Mina said that Mia had repeatedly rebuffed romantic advances by Caballero. Police believe that Caballero used his master key fob to enter Marcano's apartment and that he was waiting for the young woman when she got home from work that evening. He was questioned by authorities after Mia was reported missing, but without enough evidence, they were unable to hold him. He died by suicide on September 27th, a few days after she was reported missing. By examining his cell phone records, police were able to determine that Caballero had spent the hours immediately following Mia's disappearance near the Timberscan apartment complex in Seminole County, 17 miles from where Mia was last seen. Caballero had previously lived at this complex. A search of the area uncovered Mia's body. She was dressed in jeans, her bra, and a robe. Her hands and feet were bound with duct tape, and her mouth was also covered with tape. Sheriff Mina stated that there is no indication that there was a sexual assault of any kind and the cause and manner of her death are yet to be determined by the medical examiner's office. Following Mia's death, her family filed a wrongful death lawsuit against the Arden Villas apartment complex and the estate of Armando Caballero. According to the lawsuit, Arden Villas did not do enough to protect Marcano. The family's attorney, Daryl K. Washington, stated that the only way Armando was able to get into Mia's apartment was through the unfettered access that was given to him by Arden Villas. The lawsuit also claims that they did not do a thorough enough background check on Caballero, claiming that if they had, the complex would have found out that a female resident from his previous job had also raised concerns about him. Other tenants at Arden Villas also expressed concerns about security at the complex, whose residents are primarily young college students. Residents claim that Mia's death could have been prevented if management had taken previous complaints seriously. I'll do that again. Residents claim that Mia's death could have been prevented if management had taken previous complaints seriously. Two residents are leading the charge to demand that the complex overhaul security, and they have circulated a change.org petition which has amassed more than 35,000 signatures. In a statement posted to Instagram, the company said that it had received several complaints and acknowledged the petition adding that it will be responding to the concerns in a more expansive manner in the coming days. Those were this week's True Crime Headlines. For more True Crime Headlines, follow me on Instagram at Murder Minute and on TikTok at True Crime Headlines. If you know of a true crime story or headline that you think I should cover on the podcast, please send me a message and let me know. After this break, I'll be back with my main story, The Watcher of Westfield. Mrs. Smitty here. Did you know that cats are carnivores that need lots of meat? I didn't know that leading cat food brands are often filled with fillers, grains, and very little protein. That's why I switched to Cat Person Cat Food. It's everything my cat needs to stay happy and healthy. High quality, high protein meals delivered right to my door. And they'll do the same for you. If you order your starter box today, I've arranged for Cat Person to provide an exclusive offer of nearly 50% off just for my listeners. Cat Person is protein-packed, 50% more than industry standards, and only uses wholesome ingredients. The food is grain-free and low-carb, so there's no room for the unnecessary fillers you may find in other brands that can cause digestive problems for your kitty cat person delivers delicious, nutritious, and high quality cat food right to your door. You'll never run out or have to settle for what's in stock at your local store. The meal plans are fully customized for your cat and perfect for cats of all ages. There are 16 easy to serve wet food varieties and three different dry foods, so you'll be sure to find the combinations your cat will love. My cat loves the turkey and chicken wet food and the turkey and duck dry food. They always ship for free with the meal plan. You won't believe all that's included in your starter box. Listen to this. You get 10 cups of wet food, one two pound bag of dry food, plus an entire set of serving spoons. I'm gonna do that again. Listen to this. You won't believe all that's included in your starter box. Listen to this. 10 cups of wet food, one two pound bag of dry food, plus an entire set of serving spoons, Silicone lids and a scooper. And Cat Person offers a 30 day money back guarantee on your custom plan. If your cat doesn't love Cat Person, no questions asked. We opened the box and my cat tried the turkey and chicken wet food and could not get enough. Uh, went looking for the lid, the can, uh, just absolutely devoured it. Uh, his coat looks so shiny and wonderful already after just about a week on the food. Um, and, you know, he, he just seems to have so much more energy. So uh, he's a big fan. And so am I. It's such a great deal. Uh, you and your cat are going to love Cat Person as much as we do. Go to catperson.com murderminute murder minute and use code murder minute to save nearly 50% off your starter box with free shipping. That's catperson.com murderminute murder minute. Code murder minute and get nearly 50% off your starter box with free shipping. One more time, it's catperson.com slash murderminute, and use the code murderminute. Hey, Murder Minute listeners, it's me, Mrs. Smitty, here to tell you about the awesome new sunglasses I got from Warby Parker. Warby Parker is an amazing company committed to offering boutique quality eyewear at a revolutionary price point. They offer exceptional vision care in stores and online, offering eye exams, contact lenses, eyeglasses, and sunglasses. You can finally put the money in your FSA or HSA to good use on some high quality stylish eyewear from Warby Parker. The glasses start at just $95, including prescription lenses. And the coolest part for me is their free home try-on program. It's so simple and so much fun. I went to their website and took the quiz, which helped me narrow down the style of sunglasses that I wanted to try. I chose five pairs for my home try-on kit, and I decided to be adventurous, choosing sort of a variety of shapes and frames, uh, things that I wouldn't normally wear. They even offer narrow and wide choices in many of the styles, which is super helpful for someone like me with kind of a big head. In just a couple of days, my home try-on kit arrived. I spent a couple of days with the frames, seeing which ones were the most comfortable, getting opinions from my family and friends, and deciding which ones were the most my style. Finally, I settled on two pairs of gorgeous sunglasses that were exactly what I was looking for. And then I put all five pairs back in the box and shipped them back to Warby Parker using the prepaid shipping label that was included in my home try-on kit. And then I went to their website and placed my order. Soon enough, my new sunglasses arrived, and they are by far the nicest sunglasses I've ever owned. I love them so much. The process was super easy and so much fun. I've been getting tons of compliments on my new glasses, and I'm already thinking about ordering some more. You can order your own home try-on kit for free at warbyparker.com slash murder minute. That's warbyparker.com slash murder minute. Welcome back. As I said at the top of the show, this is a special episode of Murder Minute. Scotty, my co-host on the live Murder Minute post-mortem show, requested a spooky haunted house style story, and I was happy to oblige. Unlike the stories you see in your favorite scary movies, the one I'm about to tell you is true, and it happened just a few years ago. On an evening in June of 2014, 40-year-old Derek Broaddus had just finished doing some painting at his new house in Westfield, New Jersey. Derek and his wife Maria had closed on the 100-year-old six-bedroom home just three days earlier, and they were doing some renovations before they moved into the house with their three young children. Situated about 25 miles from Manhattan, Westfield, New Jersey is one of those idyllic little towns where folks from the big city come to escape the hustle and bustle. Derek and Maria planned to do just that at their new home at 657 Boulevard in Westfield. The wide tree-lined Boulevard boasted some of the nicest homes in Westfield, and 657 Boulevard was one of the nicest homes on this very nice block. Maria had grown up in Westfield just a few blocks away, and it was a dream come true for the family to purchase the $1.3 million property from John and Andrea Woods, who had lived in the home for the past 23 years. When Derek opened the mailbox that night, he found a few bills and some junk mail and a white card-shaped envelope addressed to the new owner. There was a note inside. Dearest new neighbor at 657 Boulevard, allow me to welcome you to the neighborhood. 657 Boulevard has been the subject of my family for decades now, and as it approaches its 110th birthday, I have been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. My grandfather watched the house in the 1920s and my father watched in the 1960s. It is now my time. Do you know the history of the house? Do you know what lies within the walls of 657 Boulevard? Why are you here? I will find out. You have children. I've seen them. So far, I think there are three that I have counted, the anonymous letter wrote before asking if there were more children on the way you need to fill the house with the young blood I requested, better for me. Was your old house too small for the growing family, or was it greed to bring me your children? Once I know their names, I will call to them and draw them to me. I asked the woods to bring me young blood, and it looks like they listened. I see that you have already flooded 657 Boulevard with contractors so that you can destroy the house as it was supposed to be. tisk tisk tisk. Bad move. You don't want to make 657 Boulevard unhappy. Who am I? The letter continued. There are hundreds and hundreds of cars that drive by 657 Boulevard each day. Maybe I am in one. Look at all the windows you can see from 657 Boulevard. Maybe I am in one. Look out of any of the many windows in 657 Boulevard at all the people who stroll by each day. Maybe I am one. Welcome, my friends, welcome. Let the party begin. And the letter was signed in cursive, The Watcher. It was after 10 p.m., and Derek was alone at the house. He turned off all the lights and called the police, who sent an officer out to the house to meet him. The officer seemed just as puzzled as Derek by the eerie note and asked Derek if he had any known enemies. He didn't. He was a married 40-year-old insurance company vice president and couldn't think of a single person who harbored any ill will towards him or his family. The officer advised Derek not to tell anyone about the letter. Police would investigate and for now, the Bronis family's move was on hold. Derek rushed back to their old home where Maria and the children were waiting. After he showed Maria the letter, the couple sent an email to the home's previous owners, the Woods family, who the watcher had mentioned by name in the letter. Andrea Woods responded the next morning, telling the Broadduses that they had indeed received a similar letter from the watcher just a few days before they moved out of the house. But in the 23 years that they had lived in the home, nothing else like that had happened, so they didn't think too much about the weird note and threw it away. It would be just two weeks until the second letter arrived this time maria was at the house and recognized the watcher's handwriting on the envelope before she even opened the letter in this one the watcher boasted of details that he had learned about the Broaddus family including the kind of car that they drove and details about their three children including their birth order and their nicknames welcome again to your new home at 657 boulevard the workers have been busy and I have been watching you unload carfuls of your personal belongings. The dumpster is a nice touch. Have they found what is in the walls yet? In time, they will. 657 Boulevard is anxious for you to move in. It has been years and years since the young blood ruled the hallways of the house. Have you found all the secrets it holds yet? Will the young blood play in the basement or are they too afraid to go down there alone? I would be very afraid if I were them. It is far away from the rest of the house. If you were upstairs, you would never hear them scream. Will they sleep in the attic, or will you all sleep on the second floor? Who has the bedrooms facing the street? I'll know as soon as you move in. It will help me to know who is in which bedroom, then I can plan better. All of the windows and doors in 657 Boulevard Allow me to watch you and track you as you move through the house. Who am I? I am the watcher, and I have been in control of 657 Boulevard for the better part of two decades now. The Woods family turned it over to you. It was their time to move on and kindly sold it when I asked them to. I pass by many times a day. 657 Boulevard is my job, my life, my obsession. And now you are too, Broaddus family. Welcome to the product of your greed. Greed is what brought the past three families to 657 Boulevard, and now it has brought you to me. Have a happy moving in day. You know I will be watching. It had been months since they purchased their new home, but the Broaddus family hadn't moved in. Instead, they stayed with Maria's parents while they tried to figure out what to do next. The letters didn't stop. The next one, the house is crying from all the pain it is going through. You have changed it and made it so fancy. You are stealing its history. It cries for the past and what used to be in the time when I roamed its halls. The 1960s were a good time for 657 Boulevard when I ran from room to room, imagining the life with the rich occupants there. The house was so full of life and young blood then it got old and so did my father but he kept watching until the day he died and now i watch and i wait for the day when the young blood will be mine again 657 boulevard is turning on me it is coming after me i don't understand why what spell did you cast on it it used to be my friend and now it is my enemy i am in charge of 657 boulevard it is not in charge of me i will fend off its bad things and wait for it to become good again. It will not punish me, I will rise again. I will be patient and wait for this to pass and for you to bring the young blood back to me. 657 Boulevard needs young blood. It needs you. Come back. Let the young blood play again like I once did. Let the young blood sleep in 657 Boulevard. Stop changing it and let it alone. In one portion of the letters, The watcher had inquired about one of the children who they had seen painting on an easel in the enclosed porch, which was only visible from the side and rear of the house. This led investigators to suspect the next door neighbors, the Langfords, who would have been able to see the enclosed porch from their home. However, DNA found on one of the envelopes indicated that a woman had sealed it with their saliva and the sample didn't match anyone in the Langford home. Frustrated and terrorized, The Broadduses sought help from numerous experts, including a former FBI agent who analyzed the letters and determined that the writer was likely an older person based on their vocabulary and their habit of double spacing their sentences. They also received help from a security firm who investigated the source of the envelopes and a forensic linguist who scoured local forums in search of language patterns similar to the ones used by the watcher. But none of these leads went anywhere. Six months after purchasing the home, and without ever having moved in, the Broaddus family put 657 Boulevard back on the market. The asking price was slightly above what they had paid for the house, in the hopes that they could recoup some of the money that they had spent on renovations. They had some interest in the property, but each potential buyer backed out after learning about the watcher. In 2015, the Broadduses filed suit against the previous owners claiming that they knew the house was being stalked and they failed to disclose this before selling it to them. A judge dismissed the suit, but it drew the attention of the media. Soon enough, the Westfield Watcher and the Broadus family were the talk of Westfield and beyond. Stuck with a house they could not sell and were afraid to occupy, the Broadest family appealed to the city for a zoning variance, which would have allowed a developer to tear down the house and build two properties on the lot. The variance was denied, but the is finally caught somewhat of a lucky break. A family with a big dog had agreed to rent the property and didn't seem too concerned about the watcher, though the tenants had been given a clause in their lease that would allow them to move out if another letter arrived. One day, two and a half years after the first letter arrived, another one showed up out of the blue. This one was more menacing than the ones before, It was dated February thirteenth, the day the Broadduses gave depositions in their lawsuit against the Woodses. The letter read, Violent winds and bitter cold to the vile and spiteful Derek and his wench of a wife, Maria. You wonder who the Watcher is? Turn around, idiots. Maybe you even spoke to me, one of the so-called neighbors who has no idea who the Watcher could be. Or maybe you do know. And are too scared to tell anyone. Good move. I walked by the news trucks when they took over my neighborhood and mocked me. I walked by the news trucks when they took over my neighborhood and mocked me. I watched as you watched from the dark house in an attempt to find me. Telescopes and binoculars are wonderful inventions. 657 Boulevard survived your attempted assault and stood strong with its army of supporters barricading its gates. My soldiers of the Boulevard followed my orders to a T. They carried out their mission and saved the soul of 657 Boulevard with my orders. All hail the Watcher. Maybe a car accident, maybe a fire, maybe something as simple as a mild illness that never seems to go away, but makes you feel sick day after day after day after day. Maybe the mysterious death of a pet. Loved ones suddenly die. Planes and bicycles crash. Bones break. You are despised by the house. And the watcher won. In 2019, after years on the market, the Broaddus family finally sold 657 Boulevard taking a loss of more than $400,000. The new owners have not reported receiving any letters from the watcher, who has never been identified. For more true crime headlines, follow me on Instagram at Murder Minute and on TikTok at True crime Headlines. For a live recap of this week's episode, you can join me and my co-host, Scotty, on the Stereo app tomorrow, Thursday, November 4th, at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Until next week, I'm Mrs. Smitty, and this has been your Murder Minute.